Welcome everyone to MAM's podcast, Fiercely Pursuing the Truth. My name is Maureen McDonald, and I'm the founder and director of Millions Against Medical Mandates. Millions Against Mandates obviously is uh, doing what we can to fight mandates, and we do that by building collaboration in the health and freedom movement, but we're also millions for solutions. And today we have a very special guest who's very solution-oriented, Layla Setner. And so welcome, Layla. It's a pleasure to have you on today. Thanks, Maureen. I appreciate you having me. Well, you're so solution-focused and in an area that so many parents are concerned about today, which is our educational system. So I wanted to just read a little bit about your background because it's fascinating. And um, what you're doing now at your academy in Miami is really uh, just so impressive. So Layla Setner is chief happiness officer and co-founder of Setner Academy, a progressive independent happiness school that combines a deep commitment to emotional intelligence, mindfulness and happiness with a challenging curriculum featuring language immersion, entrepreneurial thinking, problem solving, creativity and collaboration. Using a strength-based approach to learning, all Setner Academy students and teachers have opportunities to do what they love across the curriculum through project and problem-based learning. So that's pretty fascinating, Layla. And uh, I really love you to tell the audience a little bit about why you founded the Setner Academy. I personally was just there. It's uh, visiting and it's such a unique school. So um, tell us a little bit about how you got to that point of opening up such a unique place. So thank you, Maureen. Thank you for having me on this show. I'm excited to speak with you guys. You know, I come from a background of accounting. I was a CFO of the company that my husband and I sold together about five years ago. Uh, I went uh, to college with, and got an accounting degree and then got my MBA. So I never imagined I would get into the field of education. Well, things change when you have kids and you realize that, you know, their education is everything. So when our child was seven years old, our first child, two years old, we toured different schools and we toured about 15 of the top schools. And every time I left a tour, I thought, is this it? It just, it felt so archaic. It felt so, you know, stuck in the past. And then I started to learn and realize that education hasn't changed. You know, I saw certain pieces of different schools that I liked. You know, there was a school that was based on mindfulness. I liked that piece of it, but then they lacked the academics. I saw a school that had great academics, but then they lacked other pieces. And, and it was interesting because because consistent, consistently, Amongst all the schools I had visited, I had seen one thing in common, and that was that the kids were eating junk mm. for snack time. They were eating cookies and, you know, there was candy everywhere and there were muffins that were being passed out. And for lunch, the food just looked horrendous. And I'm a big foodie. I'm big into feeding kids healthy because it's all about what goes in their little bodies that's really going to determine how well they do throughout the day. It's going to determine in the long run how well the bo their bodies operate. And so, you know, I had been feeding 
my daughter super healthy. And I thought, oh my gosh, all of the hard work of teaching her, of feeding her only healthy food is going to go out the window because they're just, they're feeding these kids complete garbage. So I looked at my husband and I said, you know what? Why don't we just do this ourselves? We're entrepreneurs. We will hire amazing educators. We will be the vision and the strategy behind what we want to do. And that was how it started. Fortunately, my husband was born and raised in Miami. So it wasn't too far of a fetch to decide to plant, you know, the start of our new school in this great state of Florida. I had no idea when we had chosen Florida to be the spot for our school that, you know, we would be in a pandemic and, you know, we would be so fortunate to have the best governor in the country running our state, which I am so thankful for. Mm. Um, but we, we ended up buying a building and it really started with me saying, it's just, as, this is more about my daughter, right? It wasn't a, a big thing like it is now. I was like, okay, I just want to do a small school, maximum 50 kids. It's really about my child. Once I got into it and realized even more so how broken the systems were, how broken education was, how archaic it was, I thought, oh my gosh, this is so not just about, you know, our two kids, but this is about saving our future. This is about saving humanity through our children. And then that just magnified even more when the pandemic hit. I was gonna and say, people lost their minds. Like their haven. Oh, you know, and I'm looking at all these, these intelligent PhDs who have lost their minds. Absolutely. And as you know, we didn't mask mandate for one day. We were against the vaccine mandates. We did not segregate our kids. We did not put them behind plexiglass. We did not do any of the insanity that was done in schools. Even in this great state of Florida, every school put plexiglass, almost every school, you know? So I had to stand up and say, no, we're not doing it. So we didn't plexiglass our school. We did not follow the insanity of the 200 page CDC document that was basically in place just to torture kids and please the teachers union we didn't do any of that. And we took a lot of heat for it. I mean, the amount of emails and phone calls, the amount of people, parents that I had let out of their contract because they were so irate with me that how dare I not follow the protocol that was given by the CDC. You know, and your courage and, and your common sense. That's all I can say. Thank you. And you know, and, and I and I used analytics. I analyzed the data. I looked at the CDC data, their own data. You know, I spoke to a chief immunologist who oversaw over 3,500 children's cases here in Florida. So I wasn't just going off gut. I mean, my gut told me that it's wrong, but I backed it up and I verified it. Why well, I used to be an auditor. Yeah. I'm all about trust but verify. And so I verified that my gut was on the right path. And you know, it's proven that it, I was 100% on the right path because we had not one child went to the hospital, not one teacher went to the hospital. Uh, you know, we didn't kill any grandmas. <laughs> you know, most of the kids that had COVID had no symptoms. And, um, you know, most importantly, we didn't psychologically scar any of our kids. Right. We didn't right. physically scar any of our kids. I mean, there are kids in other schools that were passing out on the soccer field 
because these schools were making kids mask in this insane Miami weather. Like who does that? I know. And you know, it's, it's so important that we're talking about this now because um, we may be on the tail end of COVID, but we are not on the tail end of this insanity. And they're going to try to pull this again. And it's people like you who step forward. And like you say, your MBA background comes in handy because you do look at all the statistics and, and verify. But it's also just it, the common sense. If you're in touch with that, it just shouts out um, how insane things got. And that people, I can understand, you know, adults doing what they're doing, going to into the fear mode. But we have to do everything we can to keep our children psychologically safe and feeling that we're taking care of them. And we did the exact opposite. I mean, you didn't, but our society did. And uh, they're running <clears throat> around scared. Their suicide rates are up, their depression, their anxiety. And you know, one of the beautiful things about your school too, and because I'm a, been a holistic RN for over 40 years and food is, food is our medicine, you know, seeing your cafeteria and, and knowing that the, the chef there is, is just serving beautiful, gluten-free, organic, dairy-free, sugar-free, um, and the kids are enjoying the food and, and, and making their immune system strong, making their body strong. That was something that through the whole process of COVID, I was just shouting from rooftops, folks, you know, look at your vitamin D, go get some zinc, go get some quercetin. And stock up on, you know, your nutrients and your herbs and get the sugar out. But I just was scratching my head, like, why is this not a prevalent theme in our world? But you did it. That's exactly what we did. We focused on their immune system. We focused on, you know, we didn't stop PE five days a week. We were teaching these kids by role modeling, by showing them, by giving them the things that they need to keep a strong immune system. Yeah. And, you know, uh, October of this year, by October, because as you know, we own a farm, which is purely organic. We, we have no, no chemicals sprayed whatsoever. Uh, we're going to be a year round being able to feed our community literally from farm to table. Mm. which is so exciting for me because even when you go to Whole Foods, you can't necessarily trust the labels. No. Not to mention if the farm next door is spraying pesticides, how do we not think that, that's, that the wind is gonna ca not carry this pesticides over to the organic farmer, you that's know? Right. Yeah. So it, 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 it was a very, very tough year, but I'll tell you, we came out of that year a lot stronger as you know, in April of 2021, that's when we got hit with a media storm over me not wanting teachers to get the COVID shot. And at that time, we were talking, you know, I was talking to you, I was talking to Larry Pilevsky, I was talking to Dr. Sherry Tenpenny, Christiane Northrup, and, you know, they were telling me firsthand accounts of things that they were seeing when unvaccinated kids were hanging out with recently vaccinated parents or grandparents. Right. And these things to me were horrifying. They were like, I remember clearly Larry Pulaski telling me a two-year-old baby coming into his practice, bleeding from her vagina after spending the weekend with her grandparents. Lots, yes. Like, just like 
horrible nosebleeds, all kinds mm-hmm. of scenarios. And I remember when, when, when I was hearing all of these stories and it's like, look, this is a very new shot. No one knows what we don't know. And my best way to protect my community was say, hey, we don't know what we don't know. But what we do know is based on the CDC data, kids have a 99.9974% recovery rate and young healthy adults are 99.8. That's right. So if you have the odds so strong on your side that even if you get COVID, you've got a 99.8% survival rate. Why would you potentially take a shot? Okay, if you wanna harm yourself, that's one thing. But why would you potentially take a shot that could impact all the kids in your community that you're teaching? Well, I think they, they were trying and are still trying to pull the wool over our eyes. And when you have a good sense about things, and like you said, it's not the PhDs, they're the MDs that are examining this and looking at the deeper issue, but many, many people um, and thankfully, many more than I've been into this type of thing for, I don't know, three decades. And I've never seen so many people awaken to the truth. You know, so that's a good thing. That's a blessing of what happened. But it has been it has been a rough road. And um, I think now that many of us have seen what they're trying to do, we hopefully won't call fall for this uh, monkey business that's coming down the pike. And literally, uh, literally yeah. monkey business. Exactly. Exactly. Well, so, you know, unfortunately, fortunately, a lot of eyes have been opened, but unfortunately, many p- people slept walk through this process. I mean, I, I had many MDs at my school that left my school just because of my mask issue. So they, so I, I let them out of the contract in, you know, October of 2020 because they thought I was harming their child by not forcing everyone else to wear a mask. I had teachers quit because they didn't want to be around kids that weren't masked, you know, and these are intelligent people, you know, that have lost the ability to think for themselves, even though there are a lot of studies and data out there that shows that these masks do not stop a virus. That's right. That's right. And now there's over a thousand studies showing that these uh, experimental injections are problematic. Um, and I remember one day when we they just started giving these shots to kids, they were using grammar schools as vaccine centers. And mm-hmm. as a pediatric nurse, I felt it was my my moral obligation to go there and and give these parents informed consent before they drove in. And I had teachers jump in front of me as I was handing these papers to the parents as they were driving their kids in to get these experimental shots. And the teacher's like, no, don't listen to her. You know, go in. This is the best thing you could do. And I thought, what a disservice we're doing to our children. And, Hmm. you know, I've always said adults, you know, do your research. You can make up your own mind. But um, to subject our kids to this just seemed so ludicrous and unfair. Their, their kids are lab rats. Yes. They're yes. literally lab rats. Yes, so true. It's like, how could you take your beautiful, perfect child and subject them to this drug when they have a virtual 100% of recovery rate? Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> how does that even happen? You love yeah. your child. I know these parents love their child. I mean, I'm on some of these websites, you know, the COVID victim websites. Mm-hmm. And I read some of these heartbreaking stories of these kids that are forever damaged or have died. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, you, you, you read the pain from the parent, but that parent walked their child in to death's, to death's door. They knocked mm-hmm. on the door and said, Let, take my child. Why? Because they chose to believe the government and the medical community over evidence right in front of their eyes. All they had to do is look up the data. CDC's website shows it very clear. Their kid had no chance of dying from COVID. Mm. You know, I I interviewed a guy with a 16-year-old son. Five days after his Pfizer shot, he died on the basketball court. Five days. That's unbelievable. That's unbelievable. Well, I was on a a Zoom yesterday where um, we're really trying to create a global coalition of different organizations that are going to bring the focus on the vaccine injured because they're not getting covered by mainstream medicine and I mean mainstream media and people aren't aware you know I just saw a statistic that in 2018 19 20 like I think it was I don't know 20 or 40 children were diagnosed with uh, myocarditis and in 2021 it was 2000 now it's much higher but I mean we have oh. to look at these we have to look at these numbers Will you send me that article? Yes. I'm giving a I think it was from Dr. Paul Alexander. Yeah. Okay. I'm giving a speech this weekend, so I may, I maybe I'll infuse that on my PowerPoint. Okay. <clears throat> I'll get you that. Yeah. And, um, and also, you guys <clears throat> did a study yourself about how many women did you have in your study? We had about uh, seven or 8,000, and we're okay. still collecting data. So the, de- the study's still open at mycyclestory.com. So basically, it started with the conversation that we were having early on, you and I, and then Dr. Northrup, like you said. Um, it was about these anecdotal reports we were hearing of people having symptoms, mostly bleeding um, and clotting, um, from being exposed to someone who was recently vaccinated. So Tiffany Parado, who at the time was MAM's director of communication and strategy director, she really got on this because she was involved with a Facebook group of over 20,000 women that were telling their stories on Facebook of how they were developing symptoms, menstrual irregularities, miscarriages, stillbirths, um, postmenopausal bleeding, like women who were done with menopause who were starting to bleed. And then of course, these children. And so she really spearheaded the effort and it just so happened, you know, this the miracles happen when something's supposed to take place. And Dr. Christian Northrup was sitting next to a data analysis guru at one of the one of the conferences she was at. And he happened to have three or four daughters. And he was said, look, I'll volunteer my time. I will help you create the survey and we'll do a whole, eventually do a whole data analysis. So the My Cycle story went out to thousands of people. And of course they took the Facebook uh, group down because it was violating their policy, which I can't Exposing understand. The truth. That's their, yeah. that's their policy. If you expose the truth, you'll get taken down. Yes. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Ma'am has been one of the most heavily censored groups in the world <laughs> in terms of uh, groups that tell the truth. 
we were mentioned, um, it was kind of a badge of honor, but the Center for Countering Digital Hate, when they named the disinformation dozen, you know, Dr. Northrup and the Bollingers yeah. and Bobby Kennedy, well, they named Millions Against Medical Mandates as one of the top five groups that were- um, Congratulations. I know, I was so happy. I knew we were over the target then. Love but it. yeah, it's just been- uh, What was the summary, Maureen? <clears throat> what was the summary of the 8,000? Like, well, what, what we decided to do, um, because we wanted to publish, you know, look at the data and publish it in a medical journal. Again, more miracles. Uh, Dr. Christian Northrup brought OBGYN extraordinaire, Dr. James Thorpe, who works with over 6,000 high-risk pregnancies a year. And he's, he publishes like a fiend. He's, he's an amazing OBGYN. Dr. Peter McCullough got involved. We got a, um, a professor from University of San Diego. And all told, and statisticians came on board. All told, there's about 11 authors that are analyzing this data. But the big glaring one was the, the symptom that's so rare. It's called decidual cash shedding. And it's when the entire lining of the uterus comes out. It's very painful. It usually involves a lot of bleeding. Um, uh, it, very rare. I think they reported about 43 incidents of decidual cash shedding in the past 100 years. From our small survey of, of seven, 8,000 women, there were over 290 women reporting that because they were either vaccinated, but most of them were just exposed to someone who had received the injection, and they developed this decidual cash shedding. So, I mean, this is this is a bizarre finding. So we did publish that first in the Medical Gazette, and people can find that study on the Millions Against Medical <laughs> Mandates website. Uh, Children's Health Defense came on board to help us uh, get to this point where we're now looking at a phase two and phase three publication, which will be what other symptoms are, are prevalent in this data that we can alert the public to. Because, you know, all we hear is safe and effective, safe and effective. Well, we know that is not the truth. And um, I mean, we could go deep, a deep dive into the darker agenda here, but I think it's just important for people to be aware that you know, how dare they insinuated that this was an epidemic of the unvaccinated and we were all made to sound and feel like we were not, you know, supporting the greater good. When in reality, now we know the sicker people are the vaccinated, the ones that are spreading, the ones that have, you know, higher uh, levels of the um, spike protein and they, they're the vaccinated. So, Things are really upside down in the world right now, and people are trying to take a breath. You know, we've been in this mass formation psychosis and menticide. We're trying to, you know, see if we can get back to normal. But I suggest people, you know, meditate and walk and be in nature and eat well, but do not, do not lose sight of what's coming down the pike. There's supposedly 17 more pathogens. Uh, they have in store 278 vaccines in the pipeline. So we have to really stay vigilant and stay awake to what's going on in the world. And we have to protect our children. Uh, absolutely. <clears throat> Quick question, Maureen. How many of the 200 were unvaccinated? Do you know off the top of your I head? I don't think they, I, I'm not sure we know that yet. Um, we're going to probably, we were talking about that on a call last week. So um, that hasn't been, that hasn't been 
fully analyzed yet because not everybody um, who completed the questionnaire answered that question. So yeah, I'd love we'll to know. Out. I'd love to know how many people that were unvaccinated that were having issues. Just yeah, I'm pretty my... sure it was a greater greater number. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So a lot of a lot of wild stuff. But the the beauty of what you're doing is, um, you know, as a grandmother of of twelve children and someone who's been into nutrition and and holistic health for many many years. Um, I started a, a group years ago, Saving Our Kids, Healing Our Planet. People thought, oh, that's extreme. You know, you're just being <laughs> outlandish with your titles. And But I really feel we have to save our children. We have to do all the things you're doing. One of the most um, impressive things about coming to your school, besides the cafeteria and all this great food and all these healthy looking kids, uh, they look so happy. You know, tell us about what you do to foster happiness in children at your school. You know, we, <clears throat> we really do focus on the whole child, um, like every aspect. The kids start their morning with a morning meditation, mindfulness. Once a week, they get to do sound bowl healing. It's the physical education that they get every day, five days a week. They need to get those releases out. They need to, you know, the kids have a lot of energy and you can't just you know, put them in a classroom all day and force them to sit in a chair. Like we've got a lot of flexibility. They can sit on the floor. They they break they break up into different activities. We really try and make it student centric. We really try and make the the learning hands on and interactive. So we really are working to you know just make education more fun. It doesn't need to be so boring. And I know when I went to school, I was well not college. I loved college, but below college, I was bored out of my mind. Mm. And I just don't want that for these kids. I want them excited about learning. I want them excited about progressing. And um, it can be done. You mm. know, we're trying to build a culture of kindness and compassion. Now we are a new school. So we have families that, you know, have been in different schools their whole life. And so creating that culture and building that foundation takes time, mm -hmm. but it's how we role model. It's how we lead. It's how we show the kids or when there's a situation, have it be a teachable moment, you know, instead of just, you know, stopping whatever happened and shushing kids so you can continue to teach. Like, right. We don't want to do any of that. We really, really want them looking forward to coming to school every day. Well, I noticed when we were down there because Melanie and I came to present um, the toxic, uh, the truth about toxins in our food or the corruption of the food industry. There's a few different titles which we're about to roll out on the MAM website, and people will be able to download that and be able to watch it. But one of the things I noticed when we presented it to your students is. Uh, the parents were very inquisitive, but the students were really asking some challenging questions. They they were not just taking it on face value. They wanted to know where we got our research and how we came up with the conclusions. And especially when we did the sugar presentation, they they couldn't quite believe all the detrimental effects of sugar. They were they were really challenging us on that one. <laughs> they don't, and most kids don't, and so you would think that nutrition should be taught at home, but it's absolutely not being taught at home. And so we, we really, really 
do whatever we can to bring it into school. And next year we're looking at hiring a lady who is a nutrition, a nutritionist. So that way she can ingrain it even more so in their curriculum. We can do projects around them. We can do, you know, just, just really getting them to understand how harmful sugar is, how harmful uh, food coloring is. These, these packaged foods, like what does that mean? So they could take ownership of healthy living. I'm telling you, my four-year-old, she, she's on it. Like yeah. she looks at something and she's like, mom, that's not healthy, is it? That's great. four years old. That's but I've been training her since she could comprehend, you know, and so she's already making choices for herself. Right. And that's what ultimately I, I'd like to get for my, for my students. Mm-hmm. It's going to take time to get there because these things don't happen overnight, but we've gotten, we've received great feedback from some parents saying, you know, my kid has actually told me, mom, stop buying this. It's not good for me you know, or another parent that wanted to take her kid to some fast food place, you know, with, you know, some preservative filled hamburger. And the, the, the five-year-old said, no, mom, that's not healthy. Wow. Can we go somewhere else? That's so awesome because the programming is so intense that we talked a lot about the amount of money the advertisers spend on targeting children with the colorful packaging and the, all the dyes and, you know, all the things that make it appealing but has not only doesn't have nutritional value, but it wipes out the nutrients their little bodies are trying to store for future use. And um, yeah, but the kids were, it was great because they were really fascinated and, but they just, they were very inquisitive. And um, I think it takes so many, it takes so much exposure because there is such deep programming and so much clever advertising and such propaganda to, to lure them in to thinking that this junk food is actually, you know, something they should be eating. So the parents come along and the nutritionists and all of us who are trying to educate them. And you, you just, I used to take every opportunity I could with my kids, you know, they'd come home from a birthday party and they'd get a headache or they'd get a stomach ache and we'd talk about it. And they joke about it now that I made them feel guilty, but I would try to have an open conversation with them and, and get them in touch with how their body really feels after eating a healthy diet and then putting junk in there. And yeah. that's the thing. If you can get a person, even an adult, to understand that the body gives you messages all the time. And if you listen to them, you will save yourself so much suffering. Because what we do in our society is we push through the messaging and we reach for the Tylenol and we go take the Advil and we take the Pepto-Bismol or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, and instead of saying, gee, what, what did I eat? Do, what do I need more of? What am I lacking? Um, what is my body telling me? So that's part of what we tried to get across to the kids when we were there and we'd love to come back. But that brings me to the point of when you first contacted me to do that presentation you had a brilliant concept um i being i don't know if it's 100 percent irish and i'm stubborn or i don't know what it is but i tend to if i want someone to understand something i kind of beat them over the head where you have this teaching background and you understand the process of educating better and you said to me that you'd like us to do well you you tell the story about how you wanted us to lay this out over time. 
Yes. So, you know, the ultimate goal is to get parents to understand how harmful vaccines are. But if you have a parent that's been living in the matrix their whole life, following doctor's orders, really trusting the government, trusting the CDC, trusting our food, right? Trusting the chemicals that we buy, you know, to wash our clothes. Um, You can't go from zero to 60, you know, in one second. (laughs) You have to start slowly and open their eyes to the corruption, right? Right. And there's so much corruption in our world, starting with our food. And so the idea was, look, let's peel it back slowly, like a banana, you know, and let's first show them, step one, how corrupt our food industry is, how corrupt baby formula is, you know, how, how corrupt, you know, just the sugar industry is like, let's show them how corrupt the FDA is. Mm-hmm. Let's open their eyes to wait. Just maybe everything that I've been told might not be true. Let's show them the food pyramid that has pretty much been bought by the food industry Definitely. to manipulate and brainwash our kids to let them think that this garbage is what needs to go into our kids. Let's let them realize that that, that was a total lie. Mm-hmm. When these start things start to hit them, and they're easy enough to follow and go, oh, wow, that makes complete sense. You do that, and so you do the food and the phases, and then we just, we broke it down, right? The second phase is gonna be the environmental, right? And that's gonna be broken out into, you know, mercury in your teeth, you know, toothpaste, fluoride in water personal care products. And when you see the corruption in that industry, sunblock, for goodness sakes. Mm, Right. And you're like, oh my God, first it was the food. Now it's environmental things. Okay. Hmm. Maybe I can't trust my government. Maybe I can't trust everything that's just told. Maybe I need to do my own research. Maybe Mm -hmm. I need to critically think about everything that is put in my way as a this is safe and effective mm-hmm. and that would lead us to the vaccine conversation mm-hmm. because if you understood part one and part two you definitely have to be open to part three which is the biggest crime that has been infiltrated against our babies absolutely and that's from day one of birth they're giving them this hepatitis vaccine that protects them against sexually transmitted diseases and you know intravenous drug use that's how it's transferred you mm-hmm. know so when is an infant going to be doing drugs and having sex i know i know it's never going to happen yet we're going to douse their little bodies with an exorbitant amount of aluminum? With the product that the manufacturer is free of liability since 1986. So something happens to your child. I've been working with 
kids with autism since the early 90s. Uh, something happens to your child. They went in, they were sick. They got five, six vaccines in one day. Two weeks later, they have no more eye contact. They've lost their verbal skills. And they, they have the nerve, the system has the nerve to tell the parents it had nothing to do with vaccines. I mean, it breaks my heart because I've seen it over and over and over again. And now they want to get, you know, the F, they're petitioning the FDA to give this experimental emergency use authorization only uh, authorized for emergencies. They want to give that to two-month-olds. I mean, it's bad enough we're giving it to five to 12-year-olds. That should never be. As you said, there's very little risk involved for these kids. But this is a, a methodical and a systematic uh, assault on our bodies, our health, and our children. And people like you, Layla, have just really opened so many people's eyes. And again, your courage of going on national TV and just standing tall and standing firm with your convictions and your knowing what's right. And I don't know how you did it, but you did it. And how was that experience for you? You know, uh, a lot of prayers. I had, I was praying myself. I had a lot of amazing people praying around us just to, to keep the strength to fight mm -hmm. yeah. because I was literally in a boxing match. A lot of amazing professionals like you and, uh, you know, the doctors that I had been speaking with to really just kind of encourage me and help me stay strong. Uh, and really just the kids, the kids, yeah. smiles, their well-being, just not wanting to be in a situation where, you know, uh, which I actually did see a couple of kids with really nasty um, nosebleeds. And, mm. you know, I, I asked, I was like, look, I don't mean to cry, but was your kid around anybody recently vaccinated? And in both situations, it was, yeah, actually just this last weekend, they spent wow. the weekend with, you know, grandparents or the aunt or uncle or whatever. Um, so really just trying to protect the kids against that, because at the end of the day, my priority is to the kids, making sure that their well-being, making sure that they're safe. And it's just, you know, the good thing, the great thing that came out of around this whole media blitz. You, you know, it went from Miami to Egypt, to Russia, mm. to Czech. I mean, I had people all over the world sending me articles in a different mm. language, <clears throat> is that people started talking. They started talking about this issue and saying, me too. Mm. Oh my God, is, that could be the reason why I'm bleeding for no reason and I haven't mm. had a period in 10 years. Yeah. Or maybe this is the reason that I had this ginormous clot from my vagina. Yeah. You know, or maybe this is a reason my child is having nosebleeds every single day. Mm. Yeah, it's, um, you know, in the veterinary world, you probably know this, but they do give, there is a system of giving vaccines to uh, an animal in a herd and they go into the herd after they get the vaccine and they spread the vaccine amongst the herd. So that's a great concept <laughs> if it was safe and effective and yeah. people knew that that was potentially a risk they were taking, but uh, no one is being told any of this. We're just finding out on our own and we're being gaslit 
and told that we're we're nuts for even thinking along those lines. But you know, we're smarter than that. And 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 all of us um, that have awakened and are using our common sense, uh, we're standing up to these uh, this this deep dark agenda and uh, the perpetrators um, on our health and our children. And uh, it's going to shift. It's going to shift. I, I, I know we're going to a, new, a better place. There's going to be a collapse of our system. But the beauty of your school is when I think of the new earth, when I think of 5D, when I think of all these places and beautiful things that are going to happen post the collapse, I think of your school. It's an example now of what can come after uh, what happens happens and and hopefully will be uh, a takedown of these corrupt systems so well I, you know along with what you're saying i i've had many amazing parents reach out to me telling me they're starting their own school that's it they're pulling their kids out of the system you know i gave them the courage to start their own school beautiful. and it's like you know let's let's lead by example we need more people to step in front of this even though you might take a few punches and it might hurt it's for the greater good and if you can and you're able to i encourage everybody to do it pull your kids out of these systems they're broken you're not going to fix the public school system it cannot be fixed we have to create our own system and create the awareness so that way parents pull their kids up. At the end of the day, it's even gone worse than medical freedom. They're teaching kids in schools that you can choose your gender, which is insane. They're oh. teaching kids that if you're white, you're white privileged and you should feel guilty. If you're a minority, you're oppressed and you will never accomplish anything. <laughs> oh. Martin Luther King must be rolling in his grave right now because yeah. that is not what he had a dream of. No. And yet somehow the feminists are not speaking up, even though they're having all of these transgender athletes take these, you know, um, medals from these women mm. where these transgender men didn't even make it to the men's. They couldn't even cut it. Yet they're taking women's trophies away. We're the feminists. Where are you feminists? Mm. You know, and then we're all the people that are that are fighting for uh, equal rights. Why, why would you not want kids to be treated equally? Why would you not want kids to feel they're a one? At our school, we don't do any of that nonsense. It doesn't matter if you're black. White, Hispanic, we represent, we have kids from all over the country. We represent so many countries. That's wonderful. And we get our kids to look into each other's eyes and say the greatness that they see in them. That's you know, beautiful. that eye contact, that gaze, the greatness that I see in you is dot, dot, dot. Mm. The beauty that I see in you is, and they're looking into their souls mm -hmm. because our souls, they're all the same. We all mm. come from the creator, That's you right. know? And at the end of the day, you know, we're all, we're all just here to, you know, we're all one really like, you know, and to love ourselves and to love each other. That's and right. That's it's 
it's all about love and connection yes. and peace and harmony. And you know, yes. when you meditate, which is why meditation is a big part of our school, when you start your day in meditation and you ground into a place of love and peace, you can't hurt your neighbor when you're in love and peace. No. Hurt people hurt people. And people so, can't hurt you. Exactly. When you're and in a higher vibration. can't hurt you. Exactly. That's right. That's right. Beautiful. Exactly. Well, Layla, this has been incredible. I know you have a busy day ahead of you. I just want to end by thanking you again for supporting the work that we've started with the toxic truth about food and removing into environmental toxins and, and then vaccines. But most importantly, what we're covering is what people can do about these problems and how they can change and modify their lives to be healthier and to be happier and to be more whole. And if, if people want to learn more about your school, how, what's the best way for them to learn more? Yeah, so if they go to Setner Academy, that's C-E-N-T-N-E-R academy.com. They can go to our website. We are hiring, Maureen. We are growing like crazy. Uh, this year we had a waiting list with about for about 20 kids. Wonderful. We just need more amazing educators to fill these spots. So you can go on um, our website to see all those available slots. You can also visit us on our Instagram channel, which is Setner Academy. And that Instagram channel shows a lot of little videos of what we do. So that way you can kind of see a day, day in the life of, of uh, Setner, Setner students. Wonderful. Um, and then my personal Instagram is Layla Setner, the number three, and then also Layla Setner, the number four, since I've been receiving a lot of red flags, as you know. <laughs> Okay, great. Um, but if anybody listening that, that wants to move to our beautiful state of Florida, uh, or if you're in Florida, uh, we're hiring. We have a few great positions available, and we'd love to hear from you. Terrific, terrific. Thank you so much, Layla. When this, um, when this goes up on the website and BitChute, um, we'll also direct people to how they can watch the toxic food, uh, the toxic truth about food. Great. And and learn more about that. So thank you again. It's a pleasure you, having you. Thank we'll talk you. to you soon. Thank you, Maureen. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.